You're listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Sam Williamson. I help connect businesses with their tech talent. Today, I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by Casper, Paul, Anil, and Elena to discuss the topic of how do you help engineers understand business needs? Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work away around the room with some introductions. Anil, would you like to kick us off, please? This is Anil Uttamchandani. I hold two degrees, one in economics and one in computer application, and both are the reasons why I'm interested in them. I'm IT's in 90s kid. My love with programming started with C, C++, and then to Java. I've been teaching Java in my career. I've been photographing as a photographer, as a press photographer. I've been corporate training. I've been into the corporate training. And as my interest was in retail, so I learned the supply chain management tools and now working in the same space with Pandora as a director of engineering in digital. In my spare time, I love to watch documentaries, learn some new information, very interested in learning new ways of people leadership. That's me for you. Thank you, Anil. And Elena, we'll come to you next. Hi, everyone, and thank you for having me. It's really great to meet you all. My name is Elena. Um, I have been working in tech for the past 10 years, and at the moment, I'm a product owner consultant for Autopay, and I also run together with a friend of mine, The Mesh Firm. The Mesh Firm is a community of entrepreneurial product managers with experience in building own startups and assisting companies in delivering new digital services. We focus on product management trainings and coaching, building product strategies, assisting with product discovery, delivery, and interim product manager roles. I got into this because I developed a passion for product. I started my career as a UI and UX designer, and I kind of naturally transitioned into product management. Um, I have quite some experience in fintech as well as consumer goods. Um, I have worked with startups and also bigger companies. And I had the privilege to be able to build new teams and products um, from scratch and launch them. Um, on the personal side, I love snowboarding and kitesurfing. In general, I love to be active and socialize. Excellent. Thank you. Casper, uh, we'll come to you next. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Casper. I'm Danish. I currently live in Sweden. And also, likewise, uh, as you, Elena, thanks for having me. Um, so my original background is within business, within a finance degree, and I also worked in business and business development. And then I switched to to the programming side, um, mainly doing front ends. Um, co-founded and uh, co-owned a company. I did that for four years, uh, working very much across the entire stack. Um, not so much back in front end, but more like PO roles, tech lead, CTO, front end developer, all that stuff. Um, so hopefully I, I have something to contribute with today. And currently um, my role is uh, a senior consultant within a company called Nine that works primarily within the public sector in Denmark. Excellent. Thank you, Casper. And last but not least, Paul, we'll come to you. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm originally from Romania. I've uh, been living in Denmark uh, since 2009. Um, I'm a front-end engineer and currently working as a tech lead for Banking Circle, uh, which is a payment processor, business to business. Um, building any solution as long as it's uh, JavaScript, that's my language. And uh, in my spare time, 
um, I also grew beer. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you, Paul. Now that we've established the context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. Each of you have got a question around how do how do we help engineers understand the business needs? And as usual, we'll work around the room, pose your questions and the reasons behind it to each of you to have an opportunity to give your take on that situation. Elena, we're coming to you first. The question you want to pose to everyone and for the listeners today is from your experience, have you seen better or more successful communication between business and the engineering department or engineers? And can you share that experience with us? And, and why do you think it's a, an example of success? Before we go around the room, I'd like to come to you to give a bit of context around that. Right. Um, thank you. So, yeah, I'm I'm quite of a hands-on person. And um, overall, I really love working with real case scenarios and using um, using these real case scenarios as an examples um, and reference for what we do next. Uh, I see when it comes to communication between engineering and business, this huge gap in terms of communication, mainly because of the fundamental differences of, of the two areas, right? So engineers focus on technology and non-functional requirements, business focus on emotions and experience, right? Um, I'm pretty sure you all have experienced how a tech person or engineer will actually pitch you something or explain you how something works. And, and of course, how a sales um, or marketing person and even a product manager right, would explain you how things works. Engineers will, will focus on how and might use a lot of terms that they might be hard to understand and we, you might not even know what do they mean um, as a business person. And, and business would actually throw all of these visionary words and inspirational um, sayings, which is great, but it doesn't really give enough information for engineering to actually uh, make decisions on how perhaps to do stuff. Um, so yeah, this is basically what I experienced a lot in my day-to-day -day life. And as a product manager and product owner or someone that is in between business and tech, this is also what I have to make sure on daily basis um, that, that the two sides uh, understand each other and the expectations uh, and understanding is, is clear and everyone on the same page. So that's why I would like to hear, did you, do you have that example of what worked for you um, and your teams, or I don't know if you've seen someone that um, has done something good in order to bridge that gap? And now we'll come to you first with that one. Of course. And uh, I think, Rightly said, as Elena said, this is a day-to-day -day problem with engineering teams right now. And as we are not talking about the squads, that is the gap we are trying to bridge when we say a squad. How we are trying to bridge this is coming up with a team with all the possible skill sets sitting together. Of course, it takes time to understand each other, gel with each other. But over the period of time, as team gets mature, they start understanding each other better team start understanding the terminologies used by engineers. Engineers start understanding what product teams want them to do. And the best possible way to start with is having regular demos because that can work as a bridge between a product manager and an engineering team. Because what they see and when they start talking about what is visually appeared in front of them, it to start making sense in both ways. That's the one way to achieve it, right? 
another way where we have experienced and I have experienced in, you know, many a teams. When you start, you know, coming up as a team, having the same product journeys and this starts from the product manager. When they start sharing the product journeys, what is there in their mind visually? There are some tools which you can use to explain them visually. And involving UX from very early so that experiences also put as an ingredient of that particular explanation, engineers start understanding it better. And once you hit that mark where your engineers are started starting to understand what is your vision and what kind of user experience you'd like to deliver, you would realize suddenly they start speaking your language. And that's the break-even point. You want that level of maturity in the team. And if you hit that, you have resolved the fundamental problem. Then it remains to retaining that team together. That becomes a challenge then. Because once you have established, you've done hard work. You don't want your engineers to go away. And that's there it comes, the engineer's desire to do something new. So that's the challenge which you have to handle so, the next. So you're saying that by building this performance team that has a good understanding of the business, but also the technical side, that then it's not challenging enough and then they probably move on to something else? They, yeah, that's a human psychology and human nature. Yeah. So once once you have spent enough time, say one year, into the same team, Yeah. right? Their ambitions start kicking in. Somebody wants to be an architect. Somebody wants to go into the business side. Somebody wants to do some specialization or learn something new. And they want to do something else in their life. So that's where you start, you know, uh, focusing hard, how to bring that back. But question is very right. And that's a lot. It takes a lot of maturity in the leadership as well to bring the right mindset together. It's about mindset. Yeah, I think what you just said now, I think it's one of my also thoughts that it it takes, it it's depending a lot on also the leadership and, and the direction and the style and how this is being set up. Um, yes. Because, of course, within the teams, some things are not possible unless this is supported and empowered by, by the of leadership course. team, right? So I definitely agree with you. Yes, of course. Paul, have you got anything to add or Casper to uh, Elena's question? Yeah, like, sorry, Paul, uh, you go. So, I mean, um, I have a, a, a bit of a story, like a, a, a different um, story that I can share with you guys around uh, what, what has been an example of a successful communication between business and engineering. And I, I, I believe um, I worked uh, for a company. It used to be an online community. And um, I guess uh, you're familiar with the, the term pivoting. They needed to actually um, bring in revenue. Uh, so then uh, it was decided that the company will pivot towards uh, an e-commerce shop. Back then, uh, we weren't structured in these cross-functional teams. So we actually had, well, backend was backend. And we had an iOS team, an Android team, and a web team, um, with me being on the ladder. Uh, the, the good part about this, and I think that's what brought uh, a lot of success in terms of translating and uh, th these business requirements down to engineering, were that everyone had the same goal. The goal was like very clear. We knew where we were and we knew exactly where we we're going. So the whole company had uh, very clear objectives. And I, well, 
it's a it's a very successful like story because we actually met the the objective and even though that was ambitious um we made it and the collaboration was terrific because everyone wanted to improve anyone like anyone that was having uh, a difficult time understanding certain things uh or related to the process was uh, very easily supported by um, other developers or product managers or whomever. Everyone worked as a machine together towards the same goal. Yeah, that's. I think that's I want to add something here. I think I, it's really great what you're saying. And may I ask you, did you feel that during this, in, in this company, you, you all felt like you're part of one team, right? Yeah, precisely. Like um, it, it was a very, yeah. very nice feeling of uh, a, a collaborative experience. Everyone was working together. Everyone was uh, yeah. on the same boat, rowing into the same direction. Yeah, so it makes total sense to me. <laughs> I've also experienced something similar, and I think um, collaborating together and actually um, being together on the same team, um, it's it's what will improve or make sure that you're getting these results out or or at least it's going to be on the right track versus separating business and tech and treating te tech as a delivery factory which is a common i think it's a common mistake or it's a common trend uh, among companies Asper, i believe you're next uh, to jump in yeah, I, I totally agree with, with you elena i think that's the common pitfall to, to treat the, the the tech side of things to be those that build stuff and then the business side as those that are the the, the customers sort of ordering features um, and and I, I i have a similar story to you paul um, and and i think to to sum it up a bit or the way that i like to phrase it is that I, I think the key in order to bridge this communication gap is to 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 get both sides to to zoom out far enough because then you realize that that you actually you want the same thing, um, and then what we did, um, I think, it's a bit different if you are in smaller teams or if you are sort of smaller team in a in a much bigger context. Like depending on company size, maybe, maybe we can delve into that a bit later. But but I think in order to 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 create that feeling of everybody being in the same boat, you also need um, to somehow. Um, know that you are achieving or moving towards the same goal and and what we did was was to to basically have business metrics like um daily active users a number of incidents and all this stuff was sort of um um was was constantly also on the engineers mind so so like if it was new features being um, developed or stuff like that there was like a, a clear vision of why the feature was being developed and what the goal and objective was. So it, it was not just tickets or or features to be developed. No, it it was there was a clear why for 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 what was to be done. And then the engineers could do like could much better decide the house. Like, okay, so then we should should for sure implement it like this. And over here on these things, we can make it quick and dirty because it doesn't really matter for what for where we want to go. And um, so like zooming out and uh, and providing some kind of clear metrics that that makes everybody row in the same direction would would be my like five cents and now the next yeah 
So one one final thing I like to add into this equation, right? How to start better so that you achieve that maturity faster. So we always focus on getting the right skill set in engineers. So if it is an, I'll give an example that if it's an uh, based on Java platform, your product development based on Java platform, you always recruit Java engineers. You don't get engineers from Python or any other technology. But when it comes to the product management, sometimes we miss out on realizing that getting the product manager from the same domain. If we failed at that stage, then we have actually, uh, it will take more time simply to gel together because the product manager or the business people or BAs need to understand the terminology of a domain first and then they will be able to understand the technical terminology. Mm-hmm. So it will take longer time for them to come to the maturity level. And here it comes to leadership. When you are selecting the teams, when you are making the composition, you make sure that your composition is right. It starts from having a vision that, okay, why this product team is required? What are we expecting out of them? And when in a leadership, you are clear that what kind of expectation, what kind of goals you want them to fulfill, then you start thinking of what kind of composition you require. And that's the very initial foundation stone that can decide the difference of six months between success and a failure, at least. Thank you. Elena, have you got anything to add to kind of round off your own question? I think it's all very um, insightful and um, good points of view. Like I, I, I got a few different and I also got confirmed one of my um, also success scenarios, which is which is also good to see that this has worked also for other people, not only for us. And a news feedback um, is also quite interesting and, of course, fundamental about how do you organize the teams, right? So how do you make sure that, I guess, you have the right people in place in order to bridge that gap, right? So it's all very good points. Thank you, guys. Fantastic. And we're going over to Casper's question next, and uh, he's posing to everyone. How can we help managers and businesses as a whole to not only communicate in features and functionality? Casper, do you want to give us a bit of context on that one? Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the conversation can flow pretty. <laughs> it seems like we all agree that this is what you should not do. So um, I, I just like to, to flip it around. And then because the, the general topic from the podcast was like, how could we make engineers understand business? But uh, I think it goes both ways uh, in terms of uh, it's a two-way street of trust right um so so how do we make sure that um, business not only say that to do this and how many tickets do you do how many incidents do you have like 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 how because because i think if you have engineers or if you have the tech side that have sort of like you say anil embedded sort of the business domain knowledge and um, it's a huge resource for like innovation and creative ideas and and knowing what sh- what things to solve how and then stuff like that they can come really great things from that um and yes. um, for sure so it's just a yeah how 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 can we how can we ensure to sort of tap into to engineers in that way more than just them writing code Fantastic. Paul, we'll come to you first on this one. All right. Well, uh, as um, as an engineer, I think like I can just step back a bit and look at um, kind of like m- my progression and uh, how did I improve this uh, myself. And I, I believe that um, 
that the only way to to improve this uh, communication is to actually speak the language, right? So um, you can see that in people's ability to translate technical work into business requirements that everyone understands. Um, AKA explain like I, I'm five sometimes, you know, like you just need to be able to explain it into the uh, smallest detail. Um, this way you can help in painting a bigger, the bigger picture and together with business, uh, present the big picture to various teams or your teams and uh, so on. But developing this, uh, this particular skill set takes time, unfortunately, and involves uh, also skills that are very particular to a specific organization, um, such as understanding how the company operates, business domain, understanding the client's needs at times, or understanding the, even the organizational structure. So it's, it is, is very different uh, from, from one place to another. I mean, we can also go a bit into like why I think this is, is an issue again. Um, it's this, this gap in communication um, comes from, again, not having clear business objectives at times. Um, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of people have multiple top priority tracks um, and and actually this causes organizations to lose to lose focus and uh, like that quote says you know if everything is a priority then nothing is a priority um, and yeah we are people we are always in a rush uh, we're very ambitious and sometimes you can see that translated into uh, wanting to do too many things at once uh, both professionally and privately um, and this often leads to to losing focus. Yeah, for sure, that uh, yeah, it totally makes sense. Fantastic, Elena. Have you got anything to add to, to Paul? So what Paul said um, is that besides product strategy, besides clear objectives and product strategy and transparency on that product strategy, which I think can really come bring together the business and, and engineering, is also the collaboration. How much time do we actually spend with each other, right? And how early enough? we involve each other in, in the things that we want to build. And you can say the same from tech, from, from, for technical depth or technical improvements you want to bring into a certain platform or, or software that you also want to create that transparency and justify and make sure business is involved. So it, for me, it's also a lot about that collaboration between the, the two um, main or I don't know, I don't want to say main, but between business and technology. And then we'll come to you next. Yeah, okay, for what I understood your question is that why that business always talks about uh, stability in terms of incidents and the features rather than innovation. Is it correct? Is my understanding correct? Or you were trying to say something else? No, I, it, yeah. I think it's more like, uh, it seemed like from the first kind of question that we all agree that the pitfall is that you yeah. just uh, throw tickets and functionality requests over exactly. the fence, right? Uh, without context, without any why, and then it just becomes very inefficient back and forth because you never really end up doing it correctly the first way round, and then you have to yeah. iterate and yeah, just how to avoid okay. that. Yeah. Now I get it. Now I get it. And let me tell you, this is the everyday's affair, and we face every day this thing of this kind of confusion from engineers that everything is thrown at to us from the fence and asks us to okay, let's get this done. Right now, it is very simple if you want to understand, or it is really complicated if 
we want to make it. The simplicity is end of the day, either be business people or developers. They are driving or be enabling some business. Some sort of revenue. Sorry to say, but end of the day, there's a, some sort of revenue tied up, which is expected out of whatever the task you do in terms of OKRs. And if we have to translate NPS, net promoter score, or any functionality growth, it's end up increasing revenue. That's it. Now, if we understood this basic terms, and that's where I see most of the developers failing. Sorry, but that's a reality. It takes a level of maturity for developers to understand that everybody is driving towards one goal, business growth. The very minute you understand that, then as a developer, you start having the ideas which contributes to that. And once you start having ideas which contributes to the business growth, you would realize a magic. That magic is business started listening. And you also start understanding what is coming in your way is not thrown over the balance. Here, both need to come to the you know middle ground understand each other and again i would say the involvement of leadership to realize and give the breathing space to engineers in the way of hackathons in the way of collaborating business where to engineering driven hackathons which will contribute to the business that would encourage engineers and give them confidence to speak up for the ideas so if these kind of policies are implemented in an organization and these kind of understanding is shared with engineers openly in the town halls or in other communications. Why is this is this fashion? And made them understand that why you feel which is coming out of fence. What are the, you know, what is the rationale behind it? Engineers always understand the rationale. That's the quality what engineers have. They will understand the rationale better than anyone else. And that quality will make them understand why once you solve this then you have, have solved half the problem second half is encouraging them to come up with an ideas and not be emotionally tied up with them because when we give an idea it doesn't come with a condition that it would be accepted by all i have seen the scenarios where people give two ideas or three ideas and suddenly they find it's not being accepted and they shut down here again the responsibility lies up with leadership to go ahead and encourage them, appreciate them for their initial ideas, either whether it's accepted or not. Uh, appreciation and acknowledgement is required. And then you allow them to speak up, appreciate them, acknowledge them, give them the confidence. Here you will bridge the gap between them. So that the idea of you know coming over the fence will slowly go away. Uh, yeah, it, it makes sense and, and I agree, but I just don't think, uh, sorry that you answered the question. It was very focused on that engineers should realize that there's always a revenue rationale at the end of the day. And I agree with that, Yes. but that's not uh, how you help uh, business and manager side to communicate those things more clearly. I, I just didn't feel like you were answering so much from that perspective. Uh, so, Sorry. Uh, let me complete that then. So business always have targets. So uh, for a business owner or a product manager, Elena can relate it. They're driven by OKRs. They promise the OKRs is their KPI. And OKRs are end of the day tied up with 
revenue. So that's their job. Now, engineer's job is to enable it. I'm not saying that engineers don't have the OKRs. Engineers have the OKRs. But most of the time, I don't know how Elena's experience is, it takes time a while for them to understand how to convert their work into the OKRs and showcase. They require the coaching and understanding from product point of view. We are in a journey where we are changing from simple agile world to OKR based world. We are in a journey industry wide, whatever we say, but we are in a journey. So I feel that now teams across all the domains are maturing to understand that fundamental. Over the period of time, this unrest will go away. Yes, it is there and it is being pushed sometime. I totally agree. But if we have empathy, then we'll understand better. There's no clear answer to that. How can it be solved? It depends on leadership. It depends on the kind of industry you are, it kind of business you are. It varies widely and there are so many components involved. Lena, you've got a point to make there. Yeah, I think now I have too many things going on in my head about it. Um, but I kind of agree, Casper, with you. I think, Anil, you two come over um, the engineering side of things, of how engineers can actually help, um, I guess, the the business side to bridge that gap. And then a little bit yeah. about how the business side, of course, how you should treat engineers, yes. how you should motivate them and so on. And I think all of that uh, makes a lot of sense. I just want to add something to this um, and hopefully answer your question, Casper, as well. Um, in, in engineers are obviously going to be motivated by um, these uh, activities, hackathons, anything that's going to be cool and interesting uh, for them. And I'm pretty sure everyone are clear that they need to make money. I mean, like, I think whoever thinks that they're just sitting there and just like, uh, you know, I'm going to chill here and have my coffee is probably living in in a dream world, right? So we all know that we need to drive uh, growth and revenue. But as a as a product manager, my question that I always ask to business and when I work with business is, I know that you're going to make money, right? But I would like to understand why and what what is the, what is the value that what we're going to develop is going to bring us. So is is this investment worth? And this is what engineers should also understand, and that's what they also want to hear, because there is very often situations where they've been asked to do something where they don't understand what is the value in this. And I have to make for that like a lot of work, for example, right? So first is complicated, second is time consuming, um, and third, I don't really understand what's the purpose of it. Uh, and this is where business has to become better in articulating what is the value this is bringing, and also bringing some metrics like how much is our revenue going to increase or how much how is this going to reflect in our growth are we going to get x amount of users you know are we going to reach another market so some of these details and i think it's down to just two or three points to justify and quantify why do we need to develop that for anyone not engineers anyone a five-year-old to understand okay that makes sense in order to eat candy you know I need to first, I don't know, like do my homework. So that type of um, communication. Um, so I don't know, Casper, if I added a little bit of means to answer your question. Um, no, for sure. It, it, I, 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 I tried to bring something onto Anil's also comment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think. Casper, have you got anything to round off before we uh, move on to the next one? No, I, 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 like, I think 
not not really. Uh, it's a really good point, Elena. That, and I think it's again back to the sort of the conclusion from the first round, uh, or the first question. That it's like uh, it, it's not it's not a hierarchical thing where business sits on top of engineers and then they can demand downwards. It's more nope. like a rowing boat where engineers sit on one side of the boat and business on the <laughs> other. And if you don't yeah. sort of row equally, you're going to end up going in circles and not really anywhere. Um, to finally add up to Casper's point, he rightly said it's not that top to bottom. And I have often seen uh, products failing where they could not take their engineers along with them. So I, I have seen those stories where the idea was amazing, but due to not taking engineers along the idea, not explaining them in a better manner, the end product was not a success. Yeah, or that's just, a very good point. Or just before we move on, you had your hand up. Uh, did you want to add something? Yeah, just uh, like kind of to round things up, um, like and leading to actually the, the, the next question, I believe. Um, first of all, Casper's uh, question was spot on because this goes both ways, right? It goes um, from engineering to business and business to engineering. And the, the way you bridge the gap is actually what Elena mentioned, collaboration. So put people in the same room, <laughs> make them work together. And this way, um, business will understand the technical choices uh, and will be more, um, like will develop on that side of things. And then at the same time, the engineers will also develop their skills uh, when it comes to to the business mindset, um, and everyone will live happily ever after, right? Uh, so, <laughs> I love that. That's a great way to end that one. Thank you, Casper, for that fantastic question. We're going to move now on to Anil's question, um, and he wanted to know what are the main challenges that engineers face to understand their business better? Mindset, terminology, or is it interest? And on the back of that. How does this new startup culture bridge the gap between business and engineering, and how can we bring this into our teams? And now we'll come to you for a bit of context before we go around the room. Yes. So this comes out of total experience, explaining engineers that, okay, to succeed, we all need to understand the business first. And it's very important for engineers. And But most often, the engineers, sometimes they don't have interest. They say, okay, I don't care. I'm tell me, I'll del deliver it. I'll develop it. I don't want to understand. I don't want to read the requirement sheet completely. I want to read my task and do it. It's a very practical problem which teams are facing today. Second, sometimes the terminology used by the business, and as Casper said, you know, bringing on, not asking, not opening for examples, not asking for what, how this is an idea. How can we build upon it rather than build in this way? approach this is this the bigger issue or you know nowadays business is improving so this is an example and i have seen most often that if you look into the startups today you would be surprised to see that majority of the startups are from engineers the successful startups the biggest example facebook right they are the engineering mindset you you look into that they were that was a product a mvp got successful built by engineers without having any business mindset. How can we bring that in to leverage that potential which engineers always have it to make a successful product without any guidance, without any support? How can we leverage that and make autonomous teams? 
that's a question. Jasper, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think that's, I think it's a great question, Anil. Um, and like I, I spent a couple of years or four in, in the startup world and very much, um, we're working very much on this uh, lean methodology and, and, and quick feedback loops. And, and I think that's the key for engineers because we, we love quick feedback. Like you write some code and then if it doesn't compile, okay, you figure out and then like you, you const you're constantly trying to make stuff work. Um, and this is just the same. It's just a bigger loop, right? Um, so you have to give engineers some kind of metrics that they can basically look at more or less each week. You need to do, to, to deliver this feature, you need to do this thing. And then there's like in half year, we're going to have the first MVP out. Um, and then you improve on that. And if you can see just daily active users or whatever it is, uh, whatever it is you're working on, but some, some kind of feedback of whatever you're doing, then you can see um, if, if it's going up or it's going down. And then of course, uh, you also need to, in the culture, um, allow for more failures. I think the bigger the company, the more risk averse you are because you have a bottom line to protect, right? And they just, it's just very stale because you, you're only allowed to ship something that uh, does not make it worse. And uh, if you don't ship anything, it doesn't become worse. So that's sort of, that, that's the challenge there if you have very big companies. And so you need like a, an, an innovative mindset uh, in the company as well. But yeah, give, give some kind of metrics and give some feedback to engineers um, that are real based, not just Jira boards and whatever. Like, oh, you're moving tickets, so great. No, it, it needs to be actual real stuff. I would like to add only one thing. You're well said. This word terminology used, allow them to fail, you know, freedom to fail. I'd like to correct this phrase because it's being overused. I call it abused. Allow them to fail with a condition that you learn from it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they go. It's just, yeah. I, I just corrected saying, that I way. Think, yeah. uh, because in the startup world, if you fail, uh, <laughs> then you you don't have a job. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, but you're right that uh, there is, yeah. of course, that condition. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Excellent. Elena, have you got anything to add? Um, I want to say that it's, it's kind of natural that um, the gap, it's much smaller um, between business and technology and startups. And you did say it yourself that a lot of startups are founded by tech people. Now, for how long they stay only with tech people, that's actually questionable. You know, like Facebook and some of these companies, they, of course, are an example of success. Um, but I think we can learn a lot um, from how in startups the interactions are happening. And this is a lot. It's, again, back to being in one room and actually brainstorming and like having things out. And of course, when you're in a bigger organization, that is a lot harder than you have a lot, like many layers. But I don't see a reason like why this should, this should actually be like that. And, and these big organizations don't take an approach um, and try to narrow down, make smaller teams that made divisions and, and regroup and regroup people, um, which I think it's kind of leading a little bit to um, growth engineering and growth hacking of like how teams work in, in that area, right? Which is also a representative and it's very similar to how um, teams in startups, product teams, they work together because they take care of the growth hacking and they care of, of the, 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 the product um, marketing strategy, product strategy, developing, shipping, 
uh, following up with customers, and that is done by a very small team usually, right? But in early stages, this is actually very fruitful because people are actually working very closely together. So we're kind of coming back in circles about like, well, people, you need to talk to each other instead of like focusing on your own thing. Yep. Yep. And Paul, we'll come to you if you've got anything to add. Well, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I would just like to uh, address the interest part. Like I remember that's like the developer's interest. I think um, that was uh, mentioned and I, that's a cultural problem. Uh, it can it can happen due to many reasons, but uh, the most often when when I've seen it happening was mainly due to um, objectives in which the, the engineers do not believe in. Mm. Mm. Um, and uh, now switching again to well, like how does this uh, startup environment or culture kind of help bridging the gap? Is mainly because uh, well. In a startup world, like you establish very high level targets and then you trust the people to be able to break them down into their own objectives. So you're putting your trust in uh, people doing the best that they can. Um, they might be uh, people with tens of years of experience or even one year of experience. It doesn't matter. Like everyone's in the same boat. Everyone wants to fulfill the that KPI that high level goal high level objective I don't know become profitable by end of year or something like that right um, <laughs> else we don't exist it's often that's how like how pe people phrase or how companies uh, phrase that in their first years of, uh, yeah. of life uh, yeah. which that never happens with the bigger organizations so it's very hard to translate that uh, and make um, those I create those meaningful KPIs for uh, for large organizations. It's doable, yes, uh, but but very difficult. Um, and you also mentioned that, uh, like the example that you gave was Facebook. Um, I I can also say like Netflix or Postman. There's a lot of like engineers that started businesses. And um, just to highlight the topic of this. Um, podcast is engineer, engineers understanding business needs and those guys were the ones that understood the business and found the gap and like kind of positioned themselves or was built a product that positions in the market uh, due to them under, understanding the, the market, right? Uh, yeah. So that's where I wanted to establish that it's not an ability which stops them rather than a interest attitude or a you know terminology uses stops them so every engineer have that ability to understand the business they can right it all drills down that do they have the interest do they have that you know uh, the right terminology is being used does that the business guy comes from the same domain which is explaining the product feature and the future of a product right if you are developing in a software for electric car does that guy who's in product manager who's visualizing the future comes from the automobile industry or it is a banking guy who's in placed into the automobile industry i just can i challenge you here anil so i yeah. i understand that domain knowledge is is very important and of course it, it will make things happen a lot faster but yeah. if you have worked in fintech 
medtech um, retail, consumer goods, and so on as a product manager. And if you have experience, switching the industry should not be an issue. What you need to make sure when you do that, though, is that you actually have the right access to um, the domain. You have the right support and information in the team and be part of the team. So if you don't embed yourself in the team and you don't actually learn your tech stack, you don't learn um, your product and your domain, you, of course, you can take, you know, if you're relying, you know, or I guess it's a lot about the product manager and the, and the proactiveness of this person. But I don't see, I don't think there is an issue of someone that doesn't have a domain knowledge as a product manager, but has a good experience in other industries that he won't be able to pick up fast and actually get up to speed, right? So it's a lot about, and you said that for engineers as well, and I think it's a lot about personal attitude and interests, right? So if I'm a product manager, I'll, I might as well do my job, right, from what I'm hired. Paul, you've got your hand up there. You've got something to add? Yeah, so like um, I, I fully agree with Elena. I personally really like to uh, work with people that do not have the domain knowledge and are working their way up to acquire the domain knowledge. Mm -hmm. and through this process, they challenge everything. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what leads to innovation. If you keep uh, hiring people from the same industry inside that specific mm -hmm. industry, that's not called innovation. That's like you'll often, uh, I mean, there's the human behavior of uh, being in their comfort zone and do what I did before, right? Um, so what you want is people that push you. Uh, yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's uh, painful at times, but it leads to 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 success um, more, more often than not. So. Of course, of course. And there is no disagreement that people cannot learn. We all learn. We have never, we all learned something. We never knew what we are doing today. The whole point around is making that coming back to how we can help engineers and when you make sense and it is very important to make sense when you ask something from an engineer and that's is essential part as elena said if you can learn fast if you can ramp up yourself and start making sense in the terminology start making sense in the same domain no problems and that's the only requirement there's no other requirement and i would like to repeat myself again the best thing which engineer understands is a rationale. If you can bring up your say, ask with a rationale, it will be well accepted. That's what my experience is. Fantastic. Well, another great question. That's three in a row. I'm sure Paul's going to add that to four in a row questions. Now we're going to move on to his questions. So he wants to know, does growth engineering help companies optimize and grow smarter? And um, why don't managers use this approach? Paul, we'll come to you with a bit of context. Yeah, so... Um... I mean, just to, to paint a, a, a picture, we, we kept talking about Facebook, Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Like all these companies, um, I, I believe Facebook actually coined the term of growth engineering. Um, prior to this, like you would have this term of like growth engineer where you would have uh, one person that does um, the market. It's a marketeer, salesperson, engineer, PM, analyst, and so on. Uh, but nowadays, as a it's, it's very hard to find people with all those skills. Uh, what we do is apply this to the team level. So you form a team um, with all the necessary skill set um, to, to kind of deliver 
value in a specific business area. I mean, now you can choose to uh, do what, um, what big players do, like divide their product into specific areas. Or if you're like startup, you most likely only have one team. That's uh, your growth engineering team. Um, so like I see this being used in certain companies, but I don't see this being used in like business to business uh, SaaS companies or in, in larger organizations, it's very hard to integrate this. And uh, yeah, my question would be like, why do you think people struggle or organizations struggle with, uh, with doing this um, and having this approach to, to building great products? Fantastic. And Elena, I believe we're coming to you first. I think it's a very interesting question. Uh, I really like it. I also, unfortunately, I have not worked with uh, and I've only read about read about growth uh, engineers and growth engineering. I've worked with uh, growth hackers, um, not too much, but um, somewhat. And it kind of feels to me that growth engineering is, is again, a replica of a product team because, and I think you mentioned yourself that it, it, it will be, of course, a combination of people. But I do, I, I do feel that it's, there is too much of an expectation from the growth en engineer, right? So that is has to be as a role, right? That has to be someone that is actually technical, understands very well the business, can articulate and also think about as a business person, but then execute that on a technical level. Of course, I, I understand that there is a support and these people also get a support. Um, but as a role description and, and what I also uh, have read about it, it's it's a very... Um, I would say very often uh, CTOs, uh, tech leads, or like senior developers end up in that role that you think a lot about the business side, a lot about like, okay, how to leverage this, how to improve this, like how technology can help to enable, right? Um, so I do, I do think that this is of course possible and it's happening in companies like Facebook and Google because they do have the resources, they have the means, um, they can actually organize and execute it probably and support these people. Um, and most importantly, find these people because I find it hard to hire uh, product managers, which you could say that it should have a lot of the attributes of the growth hacker without the um, the technical, the, the, the hard technical skill. Uh, it should have that attitude and mindset and it should be someone who would understand the technical side and we will also be good in the business side. And that is hard to find, I think, it, it's quality, right? So the, of course, there's a lot of product managers and product owners, but I think it's hard to find this quality just because it's this such a hybrid type of role that you need to flow between two extremes. And growth hack uh, and growth engineering to me, it sounds like someone super flexible and fluid that can go between these these two areas. Um, so I think that's that is also why maybe we don't see it in in SaaS companies yet. We don't see it so much in smaller and mid-sized companies, I don't think they have the means and I don't think we are mature enough to understand how to uh, work with that role. But the benefits of them, I think I can clearly see. I think that will be an ideal world for me um, to actually have someone like that on the team. And I definitely see it as a mix between a lot of, with the teams that I work right now, like I know that I, I have a lot of people that they kind of, when they combine each other, combine, they work together when they when they complement each other 
the results are basically what probably a growth engineer uh, can bring, right? Of course, they specialize a lot about um, hacking as well, kind of the, the growth out of it and finding, testing different hypotheses and finding the, the best path. But uh, yeah, I would love to have a um, growth engineer on my team and work with a person like that. And Neil, what's your thoughts on growth engineering? For me, it's an concept. And uh, this is the same con concept which we had a few years ago, the Spotify model in Agile and others, which are specifically used for a certain companies. It cannot be applied to all. And the reason being is we always, almost ignore that IT is an enabling, enabling service for a larger industrial space where the end product is not a digital product. The end product is something physical, something, take example for Pandora. Our end product is a jewelry piece, whereas for Facebook, the end product is a digital product. For Netflix, the end product is a digital product. User journey starts online and ends online. In those cases, yes, we can use these kind of models, especially in cases like Pandora, where user journey may start online or in a store, but finally ends up having some jewelry piece in your hand, a physical jewelry piece in your hand. In those cases, these models are not at all applicable. And uh, those kind of trends companies set for themselves, they fit, they are best fit for them because they have that kind of mindset, culture, and the breeding ground, especially, which is very important for that kind of skill set. And that's why they are successful in those, but outside of it, very, very less chances. That's my view on growth engineers and growth engineering teams. Fantastic. And Casper, have you got anything to add? Um, no, I no, I don't think so. Uh, other than what's what's being said, I uh, I think it's very domain specific, mat maturity and industry wise. It's, it's yeah, I think um, in some places you you can you can plug and play it, and in others you're trying to force a, a square peg into a round hole. Um, but it's not to say that you can maybe take some of that and and use it somewhere else. And um, but but yeah. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> I mean, the reason for me also asking this question um, was that like I see a tendency for product teams. So just to make a, a bit of a comparison, uh, product teams versus growth teams, right? Like you need to um, focus in a growth team, you would focus on uh, constant growth, right? Uh, rather than, you know, well, we build this, and then at the end of this uh, process, like that's when we should see the growth. So instead of seeing, uh, I don't know, 20% growth at the end of uh, three months, uh, via growth engineering, you would try to uh, see 7% growth every two weeks, or I don't know, I'm just uh, throwing numbers here. But um, the idea would be that Know, deliver value and more uh, often and always uh, test assumptions and I do actually see product teams wanting to move into that direction so so that's why like uh, I, I actually uh, asked this question um, but yeah very very good input uh, from from all you guys and I think yes uh, I do agree that some 
um, businesses are more eager or easily adaptable to the growth model uh, than others. So, and, and it definitely also, <laughs> uh, the size of the, of the company uh, makes, uh, makes it more difficult uh, as well. Fantastic question again, Paul. Uh, four out of four today. And I think for now, we'll leave it there. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I really do want to take this opportunity to thank Casper, Paul, Neil, and Elena for all providing their insights and fantastic questions. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts or webinars, please reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.